Blog Talk Radio. Wednesday, March 21st, 9.30, and I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. Just to recap what we talked about on the previous show, we did talk about the um, the newly um, anointed one, um, Barack Obama, coming out with his executive order, which is actually a mirror image of an executive order that was issued back in the 50s. But there's a, there's a very large difference in those two, and one in the fact that we were faced with obviously the Cold War and um, World War II, whereas this one, we're not really in war times unless you want to count all the proxy wars and all that good stuff. But um, transitioning on to that, we're back on to the regular schedule. I'm going to touch on some news, then I'm going to get into the the topic of the week this week or the show for today. And today's topic of the show is the Fed, the fractional reserve banking system, and the exponential function. Now, I'm probably going to spend at least one show a month trying to to encapsulate everything to do with um, our monetary policy, the banking system, and how fractional reserve banking and the exponential functions simply go hand in hand. And these are these are things that um, the American people need to understand, and you you need to have a somewhat of a grasp on. So when you see these prices start going up at the pump, or when you see them start going up in the grocery stores, and you track your commodities like coffee or anything like that, which coffee is a luxury commodity, it's actually the, one of the easiest commodities to track. You know, make sure you check um, the ounces that you're receiving and the price you're paying per ounce. And you'll slowly see it creep up, and that is a very good sign of inflation. And um, the Fed likes to hide their numbers, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. So diving right into the news, um, if you want to follow along, you can go to my website, wearenotcattle.net. You can click on the antenna icon, which will take you to the main show page for this Wednesday's radio broadcast. And click on the links, and it'll actually take you to the articles that I'm going to reference. But the, the first article uh, headline reads, Monsanto uh, is GM corn, GMO corn making you fat. Uh, this is an Infowars.com article written by Mike Barrett, and it basically goes into stuff that I covered in previous programs where you know GMO corn and GMO anything is, is pretty – well, number one, it's it's really not proven, but the studies are starting to come out that um, they're not such rave reviews for this thing that Bill Gates said was going to be the the cure to world hunger, which it's not unless you're unless you're planning on poisoning everybody, then then it is the cure for world hunger. But uh, just to read you an excerpt from the article, it says. Um, for the first time in the world, we've proven that GMO is neither sufficiently healthy nor proper to be commercialized. Each time for all three GMOs, the kidneys 
and the liver, the two main organs that react to a chemical food poisoning, had problems. And it cites the Commission of Biotechno Biotechnology Reevaluation. So you can go and check the hyperlinks in the article, and it'll take you a bunch of um, to a bunch of documents that they reference. and And this is stuff that I've known about for a while, and um, I I try to tell everybody about that along with with aspartame and high fructose corn syrup. And at the actually at the end of the article, they do have other links to. Um, Two articles involving high fructose corn syrup, and I don't think they have any to aspartame, but um, just stuff that you should dive into. Um, transitioning off of that, uh, the next item I did want to cover was um, the Goldman Sachs exec coming out and saying that um, Goldman Sachs has a, a toxic culture, and you know this is this is not a um, a very large surprise to anybody that's paying attention. Obviously. You know, Goldman Sachs is out to make a profit, just like any other corporation. But when you start deceiving your, when you start deceiving your clients, and the only thing that you're functioned on, or excuse me, the only thing that you're focused on is making profits and improving the bottom line, and either cutting corners to do so or taking advantage of your clients, then that typically yields to. You know something like this, where and then executive leaves and basically just spills the beans about what's really going on in that culture, and it says it's um just to quote him, it says it's turned a massive loss into a material profit by selling deeply underwater toxic CDOs. And just to give you an idea of what CDOs are, CDOs are collateralized debt obligations. And in other words, they're they're derivatives and they'll sell these off and basically it's a it's a big game of hot potato. They will they'll package together a bunch of bad debt with some good debt and then just sell it off as a bulk price or excuse me, as a bulk package and whoever gets stuck with the hot potato at the end of the game loses. And typically, it's never somebody like these guys. And if it ever is, then they get bailed out by the government. So, you know, transitioning off of that, you can read the article for yourself. It's actually been a pretty, pretty big news item out there. The New York Times covered it. Uh, I think Bloomberg covered it, and they had some kind of redaction to it. Um, just a very interesting to see that side of of the financial system. When you start seeing these investment bankers going public and saying, "Man, I can't handle this anymore. This culture is getting a little bit, you know, getting a little bit out of hand." So it's just a sign of the times, you know. When when you start when you start taking advantage of people and you start, um, I guess the best word would be, um, yeah, well, taking advantage is great, but you start, you know, building people's trust and then basically stealing from them. Then, um, then eventually, eventually the the castle is going to crumble. The whole house of cards is going to come down. And what you're seeing now is you're seeing the people with, um, you know, the people with integrity just coming out and saying stuff about it. This is a big deal because Goldman Sachs. Uh, one of the interesting things about that company in general is you go and look at um, a lot of your finance ministers out of the White House over the past 20 years. A lot of them have been Goldman Sachs. Uh, look at John Corzine. He was a Goldman Sachs guy. So this is the white shoe boys that come out and um, they have the they have the insider handshakes with the government and they transition their way from from one entity to another, bouncing around, taking high ranking positions, 
and going along and creating fraud wherever they go, and then nobody gets in trouble. So it's just one of the things to watch. I'd be interesting to see what kind of backlash comes out of this. But um, transitioning on to uh, the next article, um, this is something that I've been talking about for a while, and actually I've been talking about it since the Patriot Act, but everybody said it was kooky. But now they're just coming out and saying it. The CIA says that they're going to spy on you through your TV. And you know, uh, just to quote one of the um, one of the excerpts from the article, General Petraeus said that they're using that web-connected gadgets will transform the art of spying, allowing spies to monitor people automatically without having to plant bugs or breaking and entering or even doning a tuxedo to infiltrate a dinner party. That's really great. So all you got to do is flip a switch and just completely cut off everybody's Fourth Amendment. That's awesome. But they talk about it in this article like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, much like they talked about how Facebook was going to save the CIA tons of money because they could not believe that people would willingly give up their information to tell people who their friends were, what their contact phone number was, where they lived, where they were going to be at certain times, and even geographically locate themselves. So, you know… The the one thing that I'm going to get into in an, in another program probably is that governments don't pass laws for no reason. When they passed the Patriot Act saying that they can you know do warrantless wiretaps, they were probably already doing it before, but they just wanted to make it okay, so they passed some legislation that says it's okay. And then this stuff where they're just coming out and openly brazenly say that they're going to spy on you… And he even goes on to say in the article, not only is he going to spy on you from your TV, but it says that they have low-powered, cheaper chips, which can be used from anything from refrigerators to ovens to doorbells. So you're just, you know, it's no longer, it's no longer the 1980s and Bill and Ted and all that good stuff. You are living in the Matrix. You are being surveilled wherever you go. The smartphone that you carry around surveils you. It's got a two-way camera. They've actually admitted in documents before that they can cut cut the um, excuse me. There went my southernism, I guess. You know, cutting something on, but they can actually turn the microphone on and listen to your conversation, even if your phone is turned off. They can activate that and listen to your conversation. So, just things to keep in mind when you start buying into this technology willy-nilly. There's always going to be some kind of catch-22. And it's something that my friends and I talk about a lot. I mean, we hate that technology – I mean, technology is excellent and it's awesome. And there's so much, you know, so much that we've done, you know, from over the last 20 years that you would have never thought you could ever do. I mean, I would have never thought that I could surf the internet on my phone. But now you can do it with ease and somebody looks at you like you got six heads if you can't pull up a website on your phone. But once again, there's there's always a double-edged sword to these things. You know, they can always be used for good or evil, and I hate to use that analogy, but it's just the truth. So, the next article I did want to get into was um was basically Ben Bernanke trying to sell um America on the fraud of the Federal Reserve and how great fractional reserve banking was. And within this article, it's actually a um it's it's an article by the, uh, the economic collapse. Um, it's it's a blog that I check frequently because they just have really good information there. And it talks about Bernanke went to give a speech at George Washington University, 
and that the people that attended it, and it says that it's over, you know, around 30 undergrads attended this um, attended this little speech that he gave, and and what he wanted them to do, or actually he didn't want them to do, but it said that they were told that it was appropriate and even encouraged to encouraged to politely applaud. So when a guy gets up there and sells you this huge fraud that is the private Federal Reserve, you're supposed to blindly clap because that's just the way that we've always done it. It's the way things are always going to be ever since 1913. And he goes on to say, and I'm just going to quote some of the quotes in the article. This guy did a fabulous job of just pulling this stuff out. And he's actually got the slides right there where you can read all the slides and some of the highlights from the presentation. And um, in slide number six, and I saw this and I, and I about laughed because he says um, – it says the central bank is not an ordinary commercial bank but a government agency. Really? It's a government agency. Well, I actually happen to have a clip here from – gosh, I believe it was about three or four years ago. It could have been a little bit longer, but this is by our our guy um, – oh, gosh – the the former chairman of the Federal Reserve, Alan Greenspan, where he talks about how the Fed is is its own agency. It's not a government agency at all. So here's the clip. Take a listen and and just listen to the double talk and the double think. What should be the proper relationship between a chairman of the Fed and a president of the United States? Well, first of all, the Federal Reserve is an independent agency, and that means basically that uh, – there is no other agency of government which can overrule actions that we take. So long as that is in place and there is no evidence that the administration or the Congress or anybody else is requesting that we do things other than what we think is the appropriate thing, then what the relationships are don't frankly matter. And. Uh, I've had very good relationships with the president. Oh yeah, he's had great relationships with like President Clinton, you know, George Bush Jr. Those guys were swell guys. So you see the double think and the double speak, you know, oh it's a it's a government agency. And then no, it's actually a private agency. We don't want to answer to anybody and it doesn't really matter what you guys say cuz we're just going to do what we want as long as we think it's in the best interest. And what they don't say is the key phrase. They always leave out the key phrase. They never say anything about the citizens or the people of America. They always say what's in the best interest. So when they say what's in the best interest, they're talking about their shareholders. Remember, this is a private bank. They have shareholders. Oh, and they're guaranteed a 7% return every year, by the way. And they can't sell their stock and they can't trade it. So who do you think owns it? Just some food for thought. So transitioning off of that, did want to get into the Fed. The um, you know, there's a couple of different things that I did want to talk about. And when you talk about the private Federal Reserve, you have to talk talk about inflation because that's one of the things that they can control is inflation. Now, what is inflation, and how does inflation impact us? Well, inflation is actually the devaluation of your currency. And what happens when you inflate something 
over a long period of time, you get what's called a doubling effect. That's why when you look back at prices back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, it is really no reflection of what things cost today. Because when you have consistent growth and you have a consistent increase in when you have a consistent increase in the interest rate, eventually prices are going to go up, obviously. But what happens is you have what's called a doubling effect. And the way that this is calculated is by the exponential function. Now, I do have a long clip here. It's about two minutes long. But it really encapsulates everything about the exponential function, what it does, how it's calculated. And then if you can grasp this two-minute clip, a lot of this other stuff will make a lot more sense. It'll probably You'll probably have an aha moment or a eureka moment where you go, oh my gosh, now I understand what all these people are talking about. So here's the clip. It's actually by a professor, and he did an excellent job. Um, this is a YouTube video. It's called The Most Important YouTube Video You'll Ever See, but I'll actually post a link to the video on my website later on. But here's just a clip from the video. The entire video is like, I think his lecture is like an hour long. So take a look. Well, it's a real pleasure to be here and to have a chance just to meet with you and talk about some of the problems that we're facing. Now, some of these problems are local, some are national, some are global, but they're all tied together. They're tied together with arithmetic, and the arithmetic isn't very difficult. And what I hope to do is I hope to be able to convince you that the greatest shortcoming of the human race is our inability to understand the exponential function. So you say, well, what's the exponential function? This is a mathematical function that you would write down if you're going to describe the size of anything that was growing steadily. If you had something growing 5% per year, you'd write the exponential function to show how large that growing quantity was year after year. And so we're talking about a situation where the time that's required for the growing quantity to increase by a fixed fraction is a constant. 5% per year, the 5% is a fixed fraction, the per year is a fixed length of time. Now that's what we want to talk about, it's ordinary steady growth. Well, if it takes a fixed length of time to grow 5%, it follows it takes a longer fixed length of time to grow 100%. Now that longer time is called a doubling time. We need to know how you calculate the doubling time, and it's easy. You just take the number 70, divide it by the percent growth per unit time, and that gives you the doubling time. So our example of 5% per year, you divide the 5 into 70, you find that growing quantity will double in size every 14 years. Well, you might ask, where did the 70 come from? The answer is it's approximately 100 multiplied by the natural logarithm of 2. If you wanted the time to triple, you'd use the natural logarithm of 3. So it's all very logical. But you don't have to remember where it came from if you'll just remember 70. Now, I wish we could get every person to make this mental calculation every time we see a percent growth rate of anything in a news story. For example, if you saw a story that said things have been growing 7% per year for several recent years, you wouldn't bat an eyelash. But when you see a headline that says crime has doubled in a decade, you say, my heavens, what's happening? Well, what is happening? 7% growth per year. Divide the 7 into 70, the doubling time is 10 years. But notice, if you're going to write a headline, you never write crime growing 7% per year because most people wouldn't know what it really means. So hopefully 
that'll give you a bigger grasp on on how you can calculate the fixed rate of growth and what it actually does over a period of time. So I do have a clip here from from Ben Bernanke and um and Ron Paul. It's actually the same lecture that I that I um took a clip from, you know, a couple of weeks ago. But um they're talking about the inflation rate here in the United States. Actually what he calls the CPI, the consumer price index. So they're talking about the CPI and then just do the calculation for yourself and go by Ben Bernanke's number and do a doubling time for that. And then go by Ron Paul's number and do a doubling time for that. And then when we come back on the other side, I'll um I'll kind of wrap up and, and explain where we need to transition to and, and what um what we need to do in order to make all of this make a lot more sense for the American public so that people can understand why prices keep going up and up and up and up while you know, while fixed incomes and and other rates are staying the same. So here's the clip. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Bernanke, if you don't mind, would you tell me whether or not you do your own shopping at the grocery store? Yes, I do. Okay, so you're aware of the prices. But, you know, this argument that prices are going up about 2%, nobody believes it. You know, and the old CPI says prices are going up at 9%. They believe this. If people have fixed incomes, they're really hurting. The middle class is really hurting because their inflation rate is very much higher than the government tries to tell them, and that's why they lose trust in government. But, you know, this whole idea about prices and debasement of currency, if, I, if uh, you loaned me $100 and in two years from now I gave you 90 back, you'd be pretty upset. But we hand back, back money back that's worth 10 or 15 or 20% less, and, and, and nobody seems to be able to do anything about it. About it. It's very upsetting. But it's theft. If I don't give you your, your full $100 back, if you've loaned me $100, somebody, I'm stealing $10 from you. So somebody's stealing wealth, and this is very upsetting. And um, and Ron Paul is exactly right there, where he's talking about you're stealing wealth, because depending on the rate of inflation, um, that's how much wealth you're basically stealing. Because he's exactly right. If you if you want something at a hundred dollars today, the time value of money. If anybody took um, finance, time value of money, time money in my pocket today is worth more than money in the future, and it's due to inflation and just to give you a a rough estimate of um of what they were talking about here the difference between the two as far as as far as the Bernanke's projected uh CPI which is um I think he said 2.5 well 2.5 has a 28 year doubling time and the CPI for Ron Paul where he said the CPI index was 9 has a doubling time of seven years. So there's a huge gap, and there's a huge difference between those two numbers. And and people in the future, I want you to understand that when, when you hear interest rates are X, or you hear the growth rate is X, keep in mind that take whatever that constant growth curve is, and and you know and you know do the division by seventy, and you get and you get the actual number. So it, it's just some – it's food for thought. Now, we do have about five minutes left in the show. I'll open the phones up here to anybody that wants to call in, weigh in on the Federal Reserve. But um, the number is 
753-1916. But I do want to wrap up these last five minutes with just some food for thought. And I'm actually going to transition into a little bit of what I'm going to talk about on Sunday. And what I want to talk about is I want to bring everybody up to speed on, on what you're seeing in society now. And I post stuff on my site about the militarization of police and you know and and these these presidential directives they're they're power grabs and and I want people to understand that that when you when you centralize government and you centralize to a a very strong federal government what you will never see is the federal government give that power back much like when you when you impose a tax over let's say going to war you impose a tax and say we're just going to have this you know 2% sales tax and it's going to support the war guess what happens to that tax it never goes away so you're starting to see this roll out and I I live here like I said I live in Atlanta Georgia and they're talking about you know this penny sales tax for the roads and infrastructure well we do have this road here in Georgia called Interstate 400 Interstate 400 was a toll road it was supposed to be paid off in 20 years and then they were going to remove the tolls and the road would be paid for and that's how they sold the taxpayers on it well, it's been well over 20 years, and you still have to pay a toll to ride on that road. So, you know, when you talk about things that – when you talk about status quo, status quo for government is anything that gets in place remains in place, whether it's foreign policy, whether it's the entity that issues our currency – whether it's the people in political power. That's the modus operandi. It's the people that the people that want the status quo typically are reliant on the status quo. So you have the people in you know, the people that are in, I guess, uh government supported housing or something like that. Those are the people that are reliant upon the system. And what government will always try to do, large governments will always try to, number one, maintain their power. Number two, extend their power. And number three, they want to control a certain segment of the population so that they can accomplish the above two goals. So anytime that you see an authoritarian regime come into play, they will always take and use use, I guess, collectivism as a mode to mobilize the masses into getting what they want. Understand when, when you get government handouts, there's always strings attached. There's always strings attached to everything. And the way that they attach the string, the string is so long that when it unwinds and you get that, let's say you get that you know, free that free check when you um when you lose your job or you get that um you get that you know EBT card or you or you get your your WIC card or whatever they 
they roll the string out so long. It's kind of like when you go fishing. I mean, once again, I'm from the south, so that's a good analogy for me. You just let the line go out, and you let them wear themselves out, knowing the entire time that you're going to reel them in. And so it's just food for thought. Once again, this show is not infotainment. I want people to think about this because what you're seeing with all this power grabbing, whether it's from the executive branch or it's from the NDAA, whether it's any one of these things, anytime you see a big reach with government, they're getting either scared or they're going to go for broke. Now, let's hope that they don't go for broke, which is pure authoritarianism, which has happened before. And for some reason, the American public is duped in the fact that they don't think it can happen here. When a lot of our systems today look like Soviet Russia, they really do. When you have government and big business collaborating together, you know, and and you have the heads of Goldman Sachs and and J.P. Morgan Chase bouncing around and, and always in a high position of finance within the federal government that yields itself to insider trading. Oh, and by the way, Congress said that they can do insider trading. So that's all the show for today. Um, sorry I didn't get to anybody's calls. Nobody called in. But hey, next time, tune in Sunday, 1 o'clock. We are not cattle radio. Once again, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Thanks for listening, everyone.